This is the Voice of the Land podcast with your hosts, Kevin Arnold and Nick Paulus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another episode of the Voice of the Land podcast, a special edition of the podcast today as kind of had to adjust things on how we're recording today so we're also live right now on allsportsleaving.com we're kind of going back to the uh we're going back old school we're going back old school you know we had the year anniversary last week and you know kind of just harkening back to old old times being on air on air on allsportsleaving.com right now and while we record and getting it out to everybody for for everybody to listen to throughout the week as well but this is season two episode 20 I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Arnold. Alongside me, as always, my brother, Nick Paulus. Paulus, we're already up to episode 20 of season two. We're almost to season three. I mean, we are getting there. I mean, what, 26 is going to be the season finale yeah. here for us. So that's probably going to be a couple weeks into January is what we're going to be going with. Uh, at that point in time, you know, we're going to be past the uh, fantasy uh, playoffs. That's going to be all over with. So uh, fantasy voices for those that you've uh, checked that out mm-hmm. on Anchor, Spotify, Apple. I mean, we're everywhere. So, uh, yeah, those are going to be over with. But we are going to be right in the thick of things, especially with, like, the NBA. But as as of right now, we're crushing it here with football, and it's football every weekend for really up until the end of this season. Yeah, and what what a what a rivalry weekend we had in football last weekend. You know, of course, Browns not taking care of business the way they should against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to get into that for the bulk of this episode of the podcast. But Buckeyes doing what they do to that team up north. And then I even the score against you in our fantasy fantasy matchup last we week. We got round three coming up. It's going to be go, it's going to be interesting. We have to go back to back weeks. So everybody needs to tune into Fantasy Voices as well this weekend because there is going to be a heated rivalry. It is going to ratchet it up. You think you think those two episodes we talked about the rivalry before were intense. It's going to get ratcheted up because one person gets to move on and one person goes home as, as we start the playoffs. And everybody's starting their fantasy football playoffs. So it's a big, big weekend again for football. And you got the Big Ten Championship for the Buckeyes. Browns back home playing the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to get into all football for the most part on this podcast. But before we get there, just a reminder, everyone can follow us at VTL underscore pod on Twitter. If you're listening live right now, go ahead and go on over to Twitter. Follow us at VTL underscore pod. You get all the all the latest. We have a, we had a poll up because Paulus had a certain tweet, a certain take this week after the Browns game that we need to dive into on this podcast and get you all the results from that poll. As we, I set it up for three days so that people kind of had an opportunity, vote on it. Of course, yeah. Get some, get some more accurate results instead of that one-day type thing that a lot of people do. I kind of extended it a little bit, gave some people some time to, to vote on that poll. But this is episode 20, and for those that are just joining the podcast or joining us live today, what we do every single week when we record, we try to – we think about who matches up well with the number of the episode that we're on. Do we think of a famous athlete, not just in Cleveland sports? Season one was all about Cleveland sports. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the bulk of our time that we talk sports on this podcast is all Cleveland sports. But we are also sports historians. We we love and appreciate the history of all sports. So, Paulus, I ask you, like I ask you every single week, you hear that number 20, what pops in your head? 
Uh, for me, it's Barry Sanders. And I don't think that there's really a close second whenever it comes to it, uh, especially in football. Barry Sanders is con- widely considered a top three running back of all time. I mean, you're talking Jim Brown, you're talking Walter Payton, and you're talking Barry Sanders. Those are the top three that that a lot of people really cling on to. Yeah, sure, Emmett Smith has the numbers and played longer, but I'm telling you right now, if Barry wanted to, he could have he could have crushed Walter Payton's record. Uh, you know, whenever he retired, I mean, he retired at the age of 31. He had 10 Pro Bowls, went straight from 1989 to 19. 1998, six first team uh, all pros, four second team. So he was the first or second best running back in all 10 years of the league that, you know, whenever he was in. He was the 97 MVP, Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, the guy's stats are ridiculous. Over 15,000 career rushing yards, uh, 5.0 career rushing attempt, 99 rushing touchdowns, also to add 352 receptions, almost 3,000 yards received. 10 touchdowns there. So the guy had 100 and 109 total touchdowns in 10 years. I, it's ridiculous. The dude's averaging 10 a year. We can barely get 10 as an offensive unit for the Browns right now. And it's, uh, I mean, just Barry Sanders, man. He One of the top three greatest of all time. Yeah, and when you ask young up-and-coming running backs who they model their game after, of course they're all going to say Jim Brown because Jim Brown is the pinnacle that is the peak. That's he's where the you, goat. He's he is the goat, and, that, and that's not just because he played in Cleveland. A lot of people around the league say that, and just based on the, his dominance. But one of the other names that always comes up is Barry Sanders. Now, for me, when I'm thinking of the number twenty, it's not necessarily the best thing for us Cleveland fans. Okay, because I kind of still see him in my nightmares. Just. All of the all of the Cleveland Browns games I've watched okay. in my time, especially since 1999, safety Ed Reed from the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, yeah, he got us a couple times. You yeah. know, <laughs> whether so sacking than, the quarterback, you know, interceptions, running him back for touchdowns, guy was awesome. If we went into Baltimore with a rookie quarterback, I just knew that Ed Reed was going to be all over the defensive stat book. I I just knew it, and you know there was. There's ways to game plan against it, but great players make great plays when they when they need to. And Ed Reed seemed to make great plays not, not just against the Browns, but in the biggest games for the Baltimore Ravens. Hall of Famer. That's the kind of defensive impact that you can you can kind of have. And you know you talk about all these, especially in today's NFL, you talk about all these offensive stats. And you know Lamar Jackson, another Baltimore Raven, and fantasy football legend right now of what he really is the numbers he's putting up and some of these offenses the way they're innovative and they can put up all these stats and it's so great to see all these different touchdowns these celebrations but where championships are really won and it might be cliche to say but where championships are won are on the defensive side of the ball and one of the best to ever do it Ed Reed of the Baltimore Ravens. It's hard to say as a Cleveland fan, but as a sports fan, you have to show respect to those that are great. Think about all of the defensive people that we had to go up against in our division just coming back into the league. We had Ray Lewis to deal with. We had Ed Reed. We had Troy Palomalu. I mean, James Harrison. I mean, the the defenses that are in our division or that were in our division were legendarily stacked. And, And obviously, I mean, they 
they both won two Super Bowls since the time that we've been back. So it it has been just a whirlwind of of uh, of, of pain for for Browns quarterbacks. Yeah, and speaking of pain for Browns quarterbacks, this past weekend Browns lose twenty to thirteen to Devlin Duck Hodges. Such and those, a stupid name. Yeah. What has he done to earn uh, a, a nickname by everybody? Like, I understand you, I understand it's fun and everything. Well, do, do you know the reason for it? No. He's a big duck hunter, uh, isn't he? Well, he, I guess, won the Alabama State Championship duck call, of yeah, Dunk the, Calling. Yeah. yeah. Or the county. It was it was something stupid you know, that, that he won whenever he was, like, 13 years old. So, I mean, quack on, I guess. But, d- dude, I, I can't believe we lost that game. Unbelievable. There's no excuse for losing that game. You go up 10-0. You're controlling clock. To a third-string quarterback. You're controlling tempo. And then defensively, you start to allow a guy who was throwing ducks out there. Yes, they they were put in decent spots, but they were, when you saw the flight of the ball, Awful. They looked like ducks. They, they, what they really what, did. What they, what they really called ducks in the NFL, that's what it looked like coming out of his hand. Now, they were picking apart the defensive backfield. And Denzel Ward, where were you at? Denzel had a rough game. And, and I mean, it's not like he got burned by Julio Jones or no. Antonio Brown or or any of these legendary receivers that, that are in the league. It was James Washington. Yeah. they're At best, they're number two wide receiver behind Juju, who was out. How are you getting beat by James Washington? And Greedy Williams needs to step up on this, in the defensive backfield for the Browns. Greedy got hurt. That yeah, I believe it was in the second half. So, I mean, you right. couldn't really count on him. Money Mitch stepped up. Money Mitch got an interception. I, th- I mean, whether Greedy can play or not, you got to start Money Mitch. I, I think so. Because I think so. If you've looked over the past few weeks, who are they who are they picking on out there and making those big plays? Even if the Browns have won the game, how are teams getting chunk yards through the air? Who are they going against? It's been greedy. It's been greedy. To me, greedy doesn't have that swagger that I was hoping that he would have, you know, coming into the league. I think he's like all you know, just all bark and no bite right now because he's been going after a couple of people on on uh, Facebook or sorry on Twitter, uh, on social media. I mean, fans have been calling him out like Grady, you're trash, blah blah blah. He's been retweeting and then sending back mm-hmm. like, dude, I'm tr- you know I'm doing everything that I got to do out here. I don't know what else Grady can do in order for us to be you know for him to be a better cornerback. But whatever it is, you got to do it, Grady, especially this offseason coming up because you're not viewed as a bust, you know, like how a lot mm-hmm. of people view busts, right. but he really needs to step it up. I mean, it just it's been bad. It's been really bad lately. And what were the question marks on him? It was more of his tackling. tackling. It, it, his cover skills were not really talked about that much in terms of being a question mark. No, and, those were good. <laughs> and he's and he's getting burned. Yeah. And I know it's I know it's a big jump from college to the NFL, but if you have good coverage skills, those should translate to the NFL, especially in such a pass-happy league that they're in now in this generation of the NFL. Those coverage skills should translate. And why are we face-guarding so much? If you know the ball is in the air, like you should know the ball is in the air. Somebody should be saying pass or run. Like You've heard it in high school oh, games, of course, yeah. college games, where guys on the sideline, they get into it and they communicate that out there. So... If you are on one of the two islands out there as a cornerback, you should know 
hey, I need to turn and look for the football. It's it's easier said than done, and of I course, understand that, and course. that's that's reality. And there's times where face guarding and timing it up when you see the wide receiver, the tight end's hands start to go up. Saw a couple good plays in the Browns defense in that regard where. They were face guarding, but they waited for the hands to go up. Then they swipe through, and the right. ball goes out. But you can't rely on that face guard the entire time. You have to be able to flip the hips, turn, and look for the football and not get burned and have a guy beating you second, third string wide receivers beating you by a half a step or more. It was the Steelers' B team at best. At best. At best the other day, and we still ended up choking away a 10-point lead and then ended up losing. It's it's not even a comparison at how bad I feel right now because I felt really bad whenever we went 0-16. Really, the Mm 1-31, I thought that was low. And, yeah, do we have a couple of wins on the year? Sure. But I've never seen more talent assembled in my life do less on the field. I thought, hey, Baker Mayfield, 27 touchdowns his rookie year. He'll get better. You know, he's going to fly right through. the. I said it on the airwaves that he was going to be an MVP candidate. And he has been the exact opposite, the complete opposite of what I was hoping for. Has Nick Chubb produced? Yeah. Has Kareem Hunt produced since he's been back? Absolutely. Do they get used enough? No. 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 And that's coaching. I was watching a video uh, uh, today that was on Twitter and got posted out. It was it was a Justin McRae, like a minute long segment of Justin McRae getting blown past. Okay. I understand Greg Robinson couldn't suit up because of concussion-like mm-hmm. symptoms. That's iffy because he was doing interviews the day before that all happened. I don't know. That's just a little weird to me, but who am I to say that you're injured or you're not injured? Justin McCray is so bad. That dude got blown off the ball by Bud Dupree, who's a good linebacker, not a great one, not who they thought they drafted. Mm-hmm. He's been an average at best linebacker, got blown off the ball it, like 10 times the other day. JJ, or, I'm sorry, TJ Watt was harassing Baker. Baker got hit so hard on one of the plays, I thought I lost teeth. <laughs> like, there were issues the other day that Baker's running around, trying, you know, running for his life. And has he regressed a little bit so far this year? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he has. Yeah. But he's been turning the corner. We've been saying this the last couple of weeks. Baker's been turning the corner. Now the offensive line loses Greg Robinson, and it, it all just goes to crap. Baker needs so much help, and that bothers me as a fan because if we don't have a Hall of Fame left tackle, Joe Thomas back there, are you saying Baker's no good? Is that what this is coming down to, that we need to have a Hall of Fame left tackle out there in order for Baker to be good? I don't think that's the case right now, but it could be. If we don't get someone in there real soon to to play some meaningful snaps, we might we might just lose out on Baker. Yeah, because he's not going to be able to escape the pocket like some of these athletic quarterbacks are. And yeah, he did a little bit more running at Oklahoma than he's done in in the league. And there's been opportunities for him to run where he hasn't, where you could get a few yards, make each down more manageable as you go down the field, take advantage of it, slide. 
protect yourself. You don't have to and be he's the been fastest. doing that a lot more the second half of the year so right. far. Right, and he doesn't have, when the main guy at left tackle, he doesn't have a Hall of Famer in Greg Robinson over there, and he's been able to progress the last few weeks. But any quarterback that's going to be under duress like that an entire game is not going to look very good. You've seen Tom Brady struggle when he's under duress because he's definitely not escaping that pocket. <laughs> no, he isn't. If that pocket's not clean, there's nowhere for Tom Brady to go. Peyton Manning rarely ran, but he ran more than Tom Brady ever has when those opportunities right. presented themselves. So Peyton Manning just knew when to fold. I mean, yeah. the sacks that Peyton Manning took, you're some like, of them he just he went to the just ground himself. Went right to the ground, which is the smartest thing you can do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Baker the the hit that I'm talking about that I, I believe, remember which one you're talking about. I believe about, yeah. TJ hit him. I've never seen someone get hit so hard in my life because it was blindside and it was Justin McCray couldn't come off the edge. There was no tight end chipping. TJ Watt almost killed Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And that can't happen. TJ Watt's a very good player. Yes. But Baker, man, if you don't see that coming and Justin McCray, if you don't get a hand on him, Baker's going to be a cripple. Yeah. Doesn't matter how, ma- how many pads you got on and how you're protecting the ribs and stuff. It's not going to end well. And somehow, all the hits that Baker took, all he came out of that game with was a basically a sprained thumb. Unbelievable. After uncorking, you know, getting a clean pocket for the most part, uncorking a 70-yard bomb down the field, and his hand in the follow-through hits a helmet, and he starts clutching it and was able to come back. Of course, you know, his mom didn't raise no wuss. Um, Mama ain't raised no wuss. Yeah. I love that. Another another line of Baker that's getting a lot of run today, but it's it doesn't have the same feeling because the team's not winning. And you're five and seven with all this talent. Why? Why can you we talked about at the beginning of this season that we expected a rough start to the season or a back and forth start because there was chemistry that needed to be built. Well now chemistry should have been built. And we're starting we, in these games where the Browns are supposed to win. You're seeing the same issues. Maybe the penalties have gone down and some of those other disciplinary mistakes have gone down, but you're still making the same dumb mistakes. Defense can't get off the field on third down. The offense shoots themselves in the foot with maybe a penalty or a false start here or there or a holding penalty. Or Freddie wants to throw 15 bombs to end the first half. I mean, you could go any which way that you want on this. The way that I'm going to go, and we're going to be bringing it up with the Mm -hmm. Twitter question that I posted out the other day, it's all on Freddie. And I am sick and tired of looking at Freddie's face on that sideline wearing my Cleveland Browns gear. I am done with Freddie Kitchens. I need him gone the moment that this season is over. I understand you can't fire him with four games left. It just wouldn't look right. I mean, yeah, could you get theoretically started, you know, on the you know on the uh, coaching search? Yeah, sure, but you're not going to hire. You know, who who's available right now? We'll get it. We'll get into Ron Rivera. Riverboat Ron? Riverboat Ron. You could, theoretically you could want to bring him in but he's not coming in You know, at the end mm. of the season whenever he was just with the Panthers. I mean that's no. ridiculous. The only coach that I've ever seen do that is Hugh Jackson last year and we don't have Hugh Jacksons on this team and we're not going to be hiring any Hugh Jacksons right. from here on out. But are you saying that if your name is 
has a Freddy and a Kitchens in it, and you wear brown and orange, you don't matter? You don't matter. I need you gone. Yeah, because on Twitter, and as I was scrolling through, and this is kind of this is the conversation that we really wanted to have. You, we could break down that game all we want, but it's going to frustrate the heck out of both of us if we keep talking about what we saw in that Browns game, especially after being up 10-0, which is just astounding to me that the defense was able to give up 10, more, 10 points to get the tie that quickly at the end of that game. Even if your offense is having a couple struggling drives, it shouldn't be that easy when you've already dominated a team. You shouldn't be going off coverage, giving them whatever they want. Right. But you posted on Twitter the question that says, at CLE underscore Paulus, by the way, free plug for you, is it wrong that I want, and this is Paulus talking, is it wrong that I want the Browns to lose out to make sure Freddie doesn't have a chance to come back? And those that are in charge of our podcast Twitter, it's us. I mean, there's... It's Kevin. We, it really is. Yeah, it's you. I get, yeah. <laughs> sure. It's, yeah, it's me. Um, but, you know, I kind of went in jest with it and kind of had some fun with it and said, you know, sometimes these topics on the podcast just plan themselves. We always sit in here, sit in the studio, or now we're in the, the talk tank or the production studio with the talk tank right behind us, like the old days here at OMS, and we plan out the show. Well, you gave me, you gave us a good topic without even having to plan anything out. So we posted a poll out there that says we wanted to get everybody else's thoughts. And there's still a couple hours left in it, but basically got the results right now. And posted the question, you know, I said, Paulus is going to explain himself, but we want to know from you guys, what do you want to see the Browns do? Do you want to see him win out to keep building chemistry towards 2020? Or do you want to see him lose out so that basically, like Paul like wants, said, yeah. get Freddie out of here? 71% say win out. Only 29% are with you. You guys are a bunch of fools. I'm telling you right now, if you win out, you are 9-7. and seven, And Freddie Kitchens is coming back. The same stupid ideas that Freddie does. I wanted Freddie to win out, you know, and to win this Steelers game, to win out realistically and be 10-6 and six and go to the playoffs. But you lose to a B-squad Steelers team. Like, we lose to the B-squad Steelers teams Every freaking year. Since 2003, we haven't won a game in Pittsburgh. And a lot of those games have been at the very end of the year whenever their playoff dreams have already been sealed and ours have already been shattered and they sub in you know, Charlie Batch or you know, someone along those lines. And we always end up getting screwed. For me personally, lose out switch the coaches get someone in here that is going to make a difference we realistically haven't had a true great NFL head coach in here for for years since Belichick and Belichick at the time was a young up-and-coming guy you know we gave him his first chance as the head coach and he got us to the playoffs and then obviously Art Modell sells the team the team quits which is a fair thing to do whenever you're being told hey by the way you're all being uprooted to Baltimore who the hell wants to go there no one <laughs> that being said we haven't had a coach since Bill Belichick. Think of the coaches that we've had that have come through 
these hallways. We're talking Butch Davis. We're talking uh, Chris Palmer, Eric Mangini, Pat Shermer. I mean, there's a lot of guys out here right now that that we've dealt with that just don't have it. And why not bring in someone like a Ron Rivera? Make sure you lose out. Go five and eleven. Okay, go five and eleven. Make sure everyone's healthy for the, you know for the you know upcoming year. You have great talent everywhere. You need a coach to bring it all together. Ron Rivera is a two-time Coach of the Year award winner. You know, has taken the Carolina Panthers to the playoffs four times, gone to the Super Bowl. When was the last time that we brought in a coach that has gone to a Super Bowl? Never. We need someone to come in here, and I'm not saying it has to be Ron Rivera, but I mean, there's Mike McCarthy. That is looking for a job. Robert uh, Saleo, uh, the defensive coordinator for the uh, for the 49ers, he'd be a rookie head coach. I understand we really don't want to go back down that road, but I think he's a fantastic candidate because he's a rough, tough guy that is is just he embodies everything that you want to be a, a football head coach. But I'm telling you right now, if we got Ron Rivera on this team right now, if if you sw- flip out Ron Rivera for Freddie Kitchens at the beginning of this year, I understand we're backtracking on that. You're not five and seven. At, you're probably nine and three. Let's be realistic. The talent that you have on this team is better than any talent that he had on that team. And that was even whenever Cam Newton won the MVP in 2015. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to argue that point because you just look at you look at a guy on the sideline and every time the the camera pans to him, he might be yelling and acting like he's frustrated with something, but what are you doing to change it? Because it doesn't change. That's the issue. You go in at halftime and you don't make any adjustments. You don't plan out what the other team could do to adjust to you, to adjust to them. It's a it's a chess match. That's what a football game is. And you need to have two quality chess players on either side, two, two guys that can bring up strategy, that can strategize against the other and know what their next move is going to be to stop that next move and always be at the forefront. Ron Rivera plays chess. Yeah. Freddie Kitchens plays checker. That's exactly what it is right now. Freddie doesn't understand everything that it takes in order to be a head coach. And, and that's obvious. I think he's playing Yahtzee. <laughs> I didn't think you can... I didn't think... Because there is some... He's probably still... playing sorry, because that's what he is. Ooh, all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not anything that has anything any strategy to it. You're definitely not playing risk. No, no, you are not. I wouldn't say that there's any risk being taken with what's going on. Like, at this point, you know... Are we just going to do a whole board game segment well, we now? we could. We probably could. I mean, board games are amazing. Right. What's your favorite board game? Oh, Not wow. to get off topic too much. Oh, but oh, favorite board game. Wow, you just bring that right up. Um, well, Monopoly is always always a classic, but it it could, it goes on too long. And it I, goes on too long, and you lose too many family and friends along the way. Yeah. Um, honestly, Sorry's been one of my favorites. Shoots, sorry, Shoots and Ladders. Shoots was, and Ladders is pretty cool. Shoots yeah. and Ladders. Was always, I like Shoots and Ladders. As, yeah. as a kid, Shoots and Ladders is always one of my one of my favorites. Um, there was this. I can't even remember what it was, but there, not Yahtzee. Like there was a dice game that my 
dad and I used to play against each other and okay. basically like you would you would roll the dice and there would be this this card and basically just a nice little platform kind yeah. of that uh, that green fuzz that you see on poker tables and everything yeah, the, the felt yeah the yeah. little felt and you roll the dice and you get like so many so many turns you get like so many dice I can't remember how many it is but you sure. roll them and then this card you put up your numbers because there would be different combination of dice and if you could fill up one line, then you get a certain amount of money coins. Okay. And you could fill up the card, like a couple lines, and you get a certain amount of money coins. And if you fill up the card, like you get like the sure, bulk of yeah. the, basically like these bigger looking poker chip type mm-hmm. money coins. And like we would go, we would just go back and forth. There's such a simple game. Yeah. But you, there's like this huge stack of cards, and we would just go just back going and all forth. Out with it. Just going back and forth all day. Uh, I know it's not a board game, but I always loved, you know, like playing Uno. Uno's always a good time. Oh, man. Uh, Uno. You, should, you should see some of the games at OMS, the Uno games at OMS. Really? Man. Yeah, after high school football coverage. Yeah. there was. I know there was one game, I wasn't there for it, that went an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> and then I was a part of a game that went like an hour and 30, hour and 40 that we live stream on YouTube. And I mean, you can go find it, but yeah. it's not – we put out a clean product. Okay. It is not it was, for the faint of heart if you listen into gotcha. that, into those I, live streams. I liked Uno uh, Operation as well. I, yeah, Operation was uh, zzz, you yeah. Know, that that was always fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I was always a fan of Operation. Yeah. but getting back to all of this, mm-hmm. uh, because Freddie Kitchens says sorry. How would you feel about that? What what is your vote on that? Would you rather win out and realistically you're out of the playoff hunt? But I guess technically you could get in if everything broke your way, or would you rather be five and eleven? Make sure that Freddie's gone. That way you bring in someone new. Here's why it's difficult because right now I don't want to see Freddie back. Sure. And bringing, I know he's only there for one year and people talk about, well, there's never any continuity. That's the main criticism of the Browns. And there's issues with that because of who they thought to hire before. And another issue now of you're putting your trust in a guy that went from running back coach all the way up to head coach very quickly. So I don't want to see Freddie back right now. But I also don't like losing. And losing games could cause other issues beyond proving that Freddie can't coach this team. Could cause, you know, you're starting to hear rumors of OBJ, and we'll get into that in a second, of not wanting to be here and other little things inside the locker room. More of those types of things, whether those rumors are true, more of those types of, I guess, breaks between relationships in the locker room can really start to come about because right. you're starting to lose and people get frustrated, things come out that you don't intend to, you know, the way you're kind of communicating with one another. You really want to see this team because you have guys under control and it's up to the front office whether they want to trade a guy or not. It's not about whether they're going to resign. Mm-hmm. Joe Schobert is a guy that is in a contract year and you want to resign because he is yeah. an integral part of that defense. But Demarius like, Randall. Probably not. Probably. I mean, pro- just for the way that he's been acting. Yeah. You know, on and off the field, essentially, uh, from what from what all of the reports are saying. Yeah, that's someone that you don't want to have back on your team. Um, I, I do want to agree with you that you know there is a lot of continuity issues, and you know that we haven't had you know a coach that has lasted a long time. Right. But I'm not going to rip the Haslam's for the coaching changes that they've done in the past because honestly, if you could. 
rip them for anything. It's that they held on to coaches for too long. I mean, Hugh Jackson shouldn't, shouldn't have been back after that one in thirty-one season. No. after you know, after the the two seasons right there, that was a he, wasted year. That was an absolutely wasted year last year. That Dorsey could have gotten his own Think guy about in that. here. If we, if if the Haslam's fired uh, uh, Hugh Jackson, wherever they should have after one in thirty-one, Dorsey comes in. Dorsey hires someone. Obviously, wouldn't be Freddie Kitchens because Freddie Kitchens earned the right. Mm-hmm. Put that in parentheses. Earned the right to become the head coach by accepting the offensive coordinator position midway through that season. So you, Freddie Kitchens would not be your coach today. You would have continuity from someone along the lines of I don't know, maybe a Matt Nagy, who. I love in Chicago. I just think that he is a terrible quarterback. And I know a lot of people, you know, this way, you know, love Mitchell Trubisky and everything that he did for Menor. I get that. Once but the a dude's, a, dude's a trash quarterback in the NFL. It, it is what it is. It, imagine having Matt Nagy here with Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham. Uh, maybe you have Odell, maybe you don't. But Jarvis, I mean, you got all those people here. You probably would have Odell. Think about the offensive game plan that you could have from Matt Nagy, who developed Mitchell Trubisky last year, and then Mitchell just regressed this year. I don't know if that is on coaching or if that is all on, on the quarterback, but honestly, I really like Matt Nagy a lot. I think that he's, he's a star. I truly believe. And if he got fired today, and there's some talk about Chicago letting him go to hire Ron Rivera. I would take Matt and Matt Nagy in a heartbeat. I would love to have him on this team. Yeah, and I think the I think the main issue here is that you have to be able to criticize Dorsey too because not only has he brought not only did he put Freddie Kitchens in charge of everything that he brought in, all these great moves that he made in the offseason, but you also brought in guys that Yes, they're talented, and he's one of the best talent evaluators in the NFL, but they also have issues. And now Antonio Callaway's not here anymore. And you got other other things going on. You know, Greg Robinson earned the right to be a left tackle this year, but in the past, if you had saw how he played, last year is now seeming like more of an anomaly, not a progression right. back to what people projected him coming in, into the draft. So there are issues there that need to be on Dorsey and – Freddie Kitchens, I I don't want to see him back here, but again, you can't lose these games. You cannot lose to Cincinnati either the either of the two times. I'm, tell, I'm telling you right now, we are losing one of those two games. I know. I trust me. I fully I know that they're going to lose one of those yeah. two, but you cannot lose to that team. Even if Andy Dalton just came back and they got their first win of the season, yeah, you cannot lose, especially at home. And if you get trounced by the Baltimore Ravens after beating them earlier in the season, Which and I know that they're playing great could football. Could happen, yeah. But they come into your place. You needed to beat, if you really want to keep your job, Freddie, you need to beat Baltimore because you could beat Baltimore twice in one season. So he has to go 3-0 and in the division. I mean, I really don't count that Arizona game. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a weird game yeah. because we're flying out to Arizona and then we got to fly back, you know, to uh, play the Ravens at home uh, for the home finale. I think if you lose that home finale, you're done. Like, I, once again, even if you won the two Cincinnati games, big whoop. Yeah. But if you lose that Ravens game, which let's be honest, the Ravens 
Ravens are the best team in the NFL, it's a very good chance that you're not going to have lightning strike twice, you know, against a, a singular team. So if Freddie ends up losing that Baltimore game, I think that you could probably just can him right then and there, and don't even worry about going down to uh, uh, Cincinnati. Like I, he should be done right then and there. Yeah, and this year was all about trying to build a winning culture, and you brought in so much talent. I just I don't think it was. You put you try to put too much thing too much in front of the horse to really get this thing rolling, and you got guys under control. You got talent under control for the next couple of years while Baker Mayfield is still on his rookie contract, and I, there's questions on whether he is the franchise quarterback now or not. You see throws though that still tell you that he has the ability to get better, and you hope that this is just a sophomore slump that becomes a big learning experience and everybody starts to question him again and then he becomes the Baker of old where people were throwing so many good comments out there at the start of the season. What does Baker thrive on though? He thrives on all the the question marks and more of a longer off season of all the question marks does that turn him into something. You don't want to be that way the entire time. You want to mature but people are driven different ways. It's true. I'm not even I don't even want to dissect this Cincinnati game at all. I just know you're at home. You better beat Cincinnati. You yeah. better beat Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean they are the worst running attack, you know, rush defense in the NFL. But I, I have zero faith that Freddie's going to do that. Like every sign is telling you, Freddie, to run the ball. It, I have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in fantasy, and we're going to talk about this later on the fantasy pod. So tune in, everyone. But I'm telling you right now, I am not going to start. Uh, Kareem Hunt this week, a uh, Kareem and Nick Chubb. I should mm-hmm. because because that's that's what you want to do. But it, it, against the uh, number thirty two rush defense, and that defense is terrible. Just mm-hmm. period. But I have zero faith in Freddie Kitchens. It, it, yeah. I have zero I, faith in him. I, I, don't I don't know what else to say. I don't. I don't know what else to say either because what we're supposed to do, we don't do. I know. And that's getting into week 14. That's a sign of a bad coach. Or it, it, like sorry. A, someone, a coach that doesn't want to learn. Yeah. Whatever week of the NFL we're <laughs> right. in right now, yeah. getting into this last portion of the season, you should be able to do what you're supposed to do. And if you haven't learned that already, that's a big, big problem. Whether you're in your first year as a head coach or not, you should have learned those things already. But a team in Ohio football team in Ohio doing good things not at the pro level of course but the Ohio State Buckeyes the number one ranked the Ohio State Buckeyes go into Indianapolis for the third straight time for to win to try to win a Big Ten title they got to play Wisconsin for a second time got to go up against Jonathan Taylor a very good running back but you sit sit at 12 and 0 Paulus where what do you what are you thinking about going into this this Big Ten title game? One last chance to kind of put that mark on your resume that you've already done so well throughout the season, but to kind of solidify that playoff spot. Or is their playoff spot already solidified, just not the seeding? Well, l- let me answer that first. Uh, I think that they their playoffs, uh, I think that they are already in the playoffs. The only way that they do not Make the playoffs is if they lose fifty nine to nothing, like they did to you know, like they beat Wisconsin a couple years back. It's the only way that they don't get in is if they get blown out. 
I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, they blew out Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. That doesn't it, it is what it is. I think if they go in, they do their they do their jobs. Uh, everything's going to be just fine for them. However, I do want to talk about the you know the uh, game from last week, and we can finally say Michigan again because it's no longer rivalry week. I never say that word. Okay, that's fair. I'm just that's that, just who I that's am. Fair. That's how I was brought up. I okay. I can't even say the the name of that state when I talk about the state. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, however, I will. You whooped Michigan. It's not even as close as what it was. Okay? The end score is 56 to 27. It honestly felt more like 56 to nothing. You know, 56 to 6. I'll say that because mm-hmm. they came out, they drove down the field, they scored on the defense right then and there, but then the Buckeyes came out and were like, okay, well, you're going to do that. You're going to miss your your extra point. Mm-hmm. All right? Well, then we're, we're just going to go take the lead. We'll just go take the lead right now. We'll match your touchdown go Eight. take the lead. And I think that was the big key to that game because that team up north wanted to get off to a good start, got the ball first, get that crowd into it. The key was Ohio State matching that opening touchdown. And then you get the extra point. Now you see that you're in the lead. Even if it's one point and basically you match score for score, now you see that you're in the lead and the crowd starts to get quiet. Oh, yeah. You're in a hostile environment, a rivalry environment. That was the huge key to kind of just breed that constant confidence from Ryan Day and those Buckeyes into that game and do what they know how to do. The moment that you heard a pin drop, it was crazy because you heard them cheer beyond belief mm-hmm. whenever Justin Fields goes down with the injury. I know. And then he comes right back in five plays later, four or five plays later, mm-hmm. and then throws that 30-yard bomb. I mean, a dime. Pin, pinpoint accuracy. To perfect. Perfect throw. I mean, if he's not going to win the Heisman. No. But that was a Heisman moment. Like yes. that's, that's what should get him to New York. He's not going to win it, but that should get him to New York. Let me also give you a couple of other stats mm-hmm. you know, from the game. Justin Fields, once again, 14 of, of, of 25 for 302 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. That gives him like 37 touchdowns to one interception on the year. It's ridiculous. J.K. Dobbins, career day, 31 carries, 211 yards. The dude couldn't be stopped. J.K. Dobbins is one of my favorite players that I've ever watched uh, uh, You know, wearing the, uh, the Scarlet and gray. Just like Gus Johnson says, J.K. all day. J.K. all day. Had four touchdowns. Master T came in, had 29, you know, 29 yards off of 12 carries. You know, just sort of getting the the first down yardage, you know, whenever they needed mm-hmm. the goal line back situation. Yeah, not basically. as big of an impact from T coming off the bench as normal, but I mean, what a what a running back to go to coming off the bench, though. Another guy that can pop one easily. Right. How about someone like Garrett Wilson? He's a freshman. Highly touted freshman, but start- highly touted. Three catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. 47-yarder was the long touchdown that he had. You want to talk about a guy that can coach? Not only Ryan Day, but how about Brian Hartline? Brian those, Hartline is... Because Ohio yeah. State has put an emphasis the last few years on recruiting wide receivers because they were so thin, especially early on in the Urban Meyer era. But lately, they've been recruiting. Man, they've been... But... It doesn't just recruiting four and five star athletes does not guarantee you championship opportunities. They kind of put you in a position to develop into that. The coaching is what takes it to that next level. And Garrett Wilson, you got to give him credit for the progress he has made with, and I think those seniors in that room, KJ Hill, 
Benjamin Victor, those guys in that wide receiver room have been key, but Brian Hartline, what a wide receiver coach yeah. he is. And he's probably going to go up oh. the ranks and be and get to offensive coordinator, head coaching jobs in the future. He's definitely going to find his way into that room. Yeah, but it's just it's the people that you surround these young kids with. And it's understanding that. It's a university that understands who to surround young people with. And it's the exact opposite up here in Cleveland with our professional team. People that don't know how to get the right guys in here to surround, you know, more mature yeah. guys in their prime, surround them with the right people to guide and lead them to just allow that confidence that they have in themselves as superstar athletes to breed out into the field. They do it down, you know, it's different levels, I get it, but it's the same concept, just at, just with more emphasis at the professional level. I mean, the Buckeyes have been crushing it all year. Ryan Day is, I mean, he's Big Ten Coach of the Year, you know, won, won the honors the other night, uh, so, you know, congrats to uh, Coach Day. I mean, he's just, he's been running it right off ever since Urban, you know, yeah. ended last year. I mean, there was no letdown, no stepbacks, nothing like that, that we've grown accustomed to over the last couple of years. You know, there'd be a letdown in Iowa's, Purdue's, Virginia Tech's. Mm-hmm. We don't see that happening anymore. Right, and it's the it's not that Urban Meyer wasn't a good coach. He's a fantastic coach. It's, He's a college Hall of Fame coach. But it's the change in style, and they've already heard, they were already listening to Ryan Day, and now the defense and special teams has now gotten to hear his voice. It's just a change of pace for how he communicates how he leads you know Urban Meyer he's intense he's attention to detail and those attention to details there was always that one game where there was so much emphasis on the details that you just you never saw the Buckeyes play free now you change the voice a little bit People have heard our voices for a year. Maybe they want to change our voices. I don't know. Just we're not going to though. So just stick with us, <laughs> please, please, please stick with us. Um, but it's that it's in the coaching ranks at least. It's that change of voice. It's the change in the way that they they lead, and it's just kind of allowed for more of a little bit more freedom out there for these guys to show who they are. But it all it did start the progress and the development started with how Urban Meyer set the system. Of course, Ryan Day is continuing that, just in a slightly different way that the message comes out. It's the a sa- new same a new- message, different way to say. Exactly, yeah, same message, new voice though, new prep style. I mean, everything's been going great for the Buckeyes. We're hoping for a big victory here on Saturday. Yeah. Selection show Sunday, and I then we find out you know when we play in a month. Yeah, because I don't want it to be left up to the committee whether they keep them in or not if they you know because they've already played Wisconsin they beat them it was a close game and then they extended the lead out on them but they've beaten them once it's hard to beat a team twice in one year it is have the Buckeyes done enough to be considered one of the top four teams in the country no matter if they win or lose yes but you don't want it to come down to that take care of business get a big 10 championship and go into those bowl game practices that post those postseason practices with a lot of confidence going in. That's really what the mindset should be. So that's going to wrap it up, though, for us. A big football edition of the Voice of Land podcast for Nick Paulus and all along here on AllSportsCleveland.com, the talk of the land. We'll be right back with Fantasy Voices. And for those... 
that are listening on the podcast right now, go ahead, search Google, Spotify, Apple, Fantasy Voices, and Voice of Land, all posted this weekend, new episodes, all the latest content. You can always find us at VTL underscore POD. But as I was saying, for Nick Paulus, I'm Kevin Arnold telling all of you sports fans out there, don't let anyone ever tell you it's just a game. And to everybody that listens, we love you all 3,000. We will see you all next week.